That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, Jake, here is the day where we tell everybody not to do something, and then we tell them to do it. But before mm. we get to that, and our little Ash Wednesday mini-sode, as it were, how are you doing? doing great. I'm doing great. Ash Wednesday is a, an exciting day uh, in the life of the church, and you're absolutely right. We tell people, uh, we read from Jesus's gospel and uh, tell them to do one thing, and we do another. It's uh, it's sort of like raising a teenager. Mm. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yes. So anyway, well, here we are, Ash Wednesday. We've got a quick little episode <laughs> That was for the you. most apathetic, perfunctory acknowledgement of my weak joke that I've ever heard. So, I'll, but I'll, we'll move on. We got a lot to do. I know we got full, we got souls to save and meetings to attend and emails to write. So let's yeah. guys do our listeners. Let's get to it. Good. Uh, we yeah the readings um, for Ash Wednesday. You have two Old Testament choices: Joel two and Isaiah fifty eight. Uh, we'll be talking about the Joel reading today, uh, and then the reading for the epistle. Is Second Corinthians chapter five, getting a little bit into chapter six, and then the gospel, that uh, famous passage from the sixth chapter of Matthew's gospel. Mm. So we begin with Joel, uh, trumpets getting blown, alarms being well, for, sounded. Just, first, yeah, before we jump into that, maybe we should tell a little bit, tell people about Ash Wednesday. You know, okay, I think we're okay. all gonna, we're all gonna. Let the see. record show that I wanted to just talk about the Word of God, but Jake, uh-huh. go ahead. Well, you know, I mean, I, you know, I, I think we all have kind of mixed feelings about Ash Wednesday. You know, I, it has become kind of a insta celeb thing. We're all going to see everybody, you know, all these famous people with ashes on their heads, and I, and, you know, in New York City, it's just basically uh, a nonstop deluge of people, you know, wanting. As one guy said, "Hey, can you just give me the." And, yeah. uh, you know, and so... Let the listener know, Jake made a little sign of the cross gesture with his thumb as he made that sound effect. That's the what whistle. it sounds like when yeah, you, you pose hey, he, like, he was like, I was like, hey, man, we're about to start a service. And he was like, no, no, no. I just want to get the... And <laughs> <laughs> and so there's a part of me, you know, I mean, I, I hate Ash Wednesday a little bit. I think, uh, you know, I'm becoming cynical maybe. And I just want to hang a giant lump of coal outside and tell people to do it themselves. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, because it is just completely uh, it. And then these people who are putting glitter in the ash, if that is you, stop it. In the name of Jesus, it is like it is a misunderstanding completely of what's going on here. And I was wondering, maybe, Aaron, if you could clear it up for our listeners, what's in maybe uh, reignite my passion for Ash Wednesday. Tell me a little bit about what is the meaning of Ash Wednesday? 
Well, and also will confuse some Episcopalians, surprising them, especially the new Episcopalians who, who think that the way that we do it now is how we've always done it. If you look at the 1928 prayer book and the prayer books before it, there was a service for Ash Wednesday, but it did not entail imposition of ashes. That, that mm-hmm. was sort of a, a new thing. It's been a long, obviously, a long tradition in the Roman Church. Uh, but there was, because the Episcopal Church is a Protestant church, there was a, I think, good and right skepticism, or at least questioning, let's interrogate in a gentle and curious way uh, why we're doing this, because Jesus specifically addresses the practice of fasting when done in such a way to draw attention to oneself and to make it look like you're fasting, and so people can tell that you're fasting, all of that. He is very skeptical, and that's the reading that we'll see in Matthew 6. So, for that reason, it was not common in the Episcopal Church for a long time to impose ashes. You read the readings, you talked about it, but you didn't do it. And that changed. And I think uh, I, some of those battles obviously are battles of the past. And I don't think anybody's waging yeah. the Reformation over again today. And I don't think the way religion is practiced in, um, frankly, Roman Catholic or any liturgical churches like the Episcopal Church now, it's not dealing with the same kind of stuff that the Reformers were worried about, in my opinion, by and large. So I think we can reclaim this tradition and use it because it is countercultural. Like, all those Reformation battles happened in a world where everybody was a Christian, mm-hmm. and uh, for the most part. And these days, it's sort of rare, and it's a weird thing, It's and it's a sort, of, sort of wonderfully weird, and I don't think people see it as some sort of superstitious, uh, get points with God kind of practice. Maybe it's more so in New York, I don't know, but um, here, at least in my context, it is a countercultural, odd thing, and I like it because it gets people to do something which they rarely do in our culture, which is to think about their death to think about the brevity of life, to think about... It's a, it's a giant day of hopefully deflating the ego, um, if done right, uh, that we tell people... It's, it's low anthropology uh, yes. through and through, and uh, the Ash Wednesday service, in my opinion, is so wonderful, and the readings and the, with the prayers and all of it, the, the sort of... Um, the, the little little bit that's read by the by the priest at the beginning about <clears throat> what Ash Wednesday is and why why it exists and all that. It is so great. So if I have to impose ashes on somebody's forehead to get them to come and hear that, I will do it all day long. And I think the reason why you and I are both um, skeptical about the newfangled practices of putting glitter in the ashes, which by the way, in this diocese, the diocese of Texas, it has been, um, the bishop doesn't allow it. And because it's more tr- using it that is drawing attention to oneself uh, and making it sort of a celebration of me or my identity or in whatever way. And people talk about it, it's like it's symbolizing we're all part of the stars or whatever. And that's not the point of Ash Wednesday. If you want a service to do that and you want to invent a new service and choose a different day, you know, more power to you. But Ash Wednesday is supposed to be the fact that we're all going to die, that life is short, that most human activities amount to not much at all. And uh, it's time to get right with the Lord. Mm, that's awesome. Yeah, we have taken up the tradition of the Tuesday before on Shrove Tuesday, burning people bring their palms and we burn those because those are the yeah. hallelujahs and our ideas of God. And they go right up and our lives and what we think we're going to accomplish and they go right up into smoke. And, um, and uh, really, I think what Ash Wednesday is about and what brings me hope for it when we do it is that it really is intended to bring uh, the inside to the outside. 
you know, and so, but uh, that inside, while it is um, covered in ash, we don't, you know, make a star on your head or uh, just a little dot. We make the sign of the cross, which reminds us that Jesus has met us in our death, and death will not have the final say. So at the end of every Ash Wednesday service, I always remind people to go home and wash their faces immediately. As they wash that cross off their face, the ash off their face, remember their baptisms. And remember that um, uh, Jesus doesn't sully anyone, and so, but rather he makes us clean. And so, and we can enter into a, a legitimate season of Lent with that in mind. So anyway, I just wanted to clear that up. So thank uh, and, you. Uh, thank, thank you. Well, you. I do, and I want to, well, you're welcome, Jake. Uh, you're the I'd best, wanna, Aaron. No, you're the best. I want to add also that, and I, I don't know, you, you probably do this too, Jake. We have little, those moist towelettes, and I hate that word, both of those words. Those little, they're also, another horrible brand name for them is the wet nap. Uh, yeah. There's mm-hmm. the little, those little um, pre-dampened towels that you mm-hmm. get when you mm-hmm. uh, order lobster or something. Or chicken. Um, mm-hmm. We have those in the narthex after people leave church so they can, uh, they can immediately de-ash themselves if they Boy. like. I mean, some people, but the, here's the thing, though. If you That's leave hospitality the ashes your forehead, right there. I know, we think of everything. But if it's you, also a if, witness, you know. So. Yeah, and we want to make people know, like, this is not something you have to do, uh, and you can, uh, it's not a sacrament, you know, mm-hmm. shocker. So, the um, the other thing, too, is if you leave the ashes on your head, though, be careful how you treat your barista when you go get your latte after the service. <laughs> Don't wear those ashes on your head and, and be a giant uh, yep. jack wagon. Mm-hmm. So, all right, but so should we talk about scripture? Let's talk about, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it, and by, this is going to be a short, quick episode, but I will say that uh, to our listeners, if you are preaching on Wednesday, it is, as always, but especially here, keep it short, sweet, to the point. The liturgy will do a lot of the work for you. Amen. Um, and really, you want to try to say one thing, which whatever it is, uh, should be something about the themes that we already mm-hmm. already discussed. Um and, and it is okay and appropriate, and please do preach the gospel as well. Like, uh, mm. it sh- if if there is a message about the brevity of life and low anthropology and human sinfulness, make sure you do take it to the cross, because that's, that's uh, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of people who are not church members who will come on this day, and you can give them a word of grace and hope. Um, yep. And so use that opportunity. Okay, so Joel, and the reason we're doing Joel this year, you know, you have two options. Uh, if you're, as you know, if you're going through the lectionary, we would have recently heard most of Isaiah 58 in the lectionary readings for Sunday. So uh, in the Epiphany season. So that's why uh, hopefully you've already heard, had them hear that or you've preached on that. So Joel 2 is just a call to fast. It's an Old Testament call to fast uh, because God is coming and so. The whole tone is getting ready, um, but there's also a reminder that God is gracious and merciful. The reason we can come and repent and fast is because we know we can trust, and that's true in human relationships as well. If you're scared that if you confess it wrong, the person's going to reject you, uh, disown you, punish you in some way, you tend to keep it quiet. You keep a secret, but if you know that, as in this case, the Lord our God is gracious and merciful, then then that creates the open door for us to come say, I'm sorry, which is what Ash Wednesday is about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's perfect. Uh, I mean, I think everybody's coming in there, and the uh, dark, ashy side of ourselves wonders, uh, will God ever turn and relent, you know, as we uh, go through this life? And, and uh, what Joel points us to is... Uh, 
the one who has heard our cries and uh, the one who has uh, met us in our um, in our suffering and in in the difficulties of life. Um, once again, not in a glittered star, but in a cross. Mm. And speaking of the cross, we turn to 2 Corinthians, where you have, at the beginning of this reading, chapter 5, verse 20b, mm-hmm. we have this ground uh, floor foundational text about imputation. Yep. For our sake, God made him, Christ, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is all of our, the ashy side of our nature being put on Christ. Um do not think by the ashes on your forehead you gain any points, you increase your righteousness, because all of the parts of you of which this ash is symbolic, your your sin and your death, all of that has been put onto Christ, and that's what this is about. And so because of that, uh, as St. Paul goes on here to say that we can um, endure the challenges and trials of this life, and Paul gives a huge list here of all the things um, that he has to endure, um, and describes the human condition. Uh, dying and see we are alive, punished yet not killed, uh, crushed and not destroyed. Uh, and that's what it is to be human, and we mm-hmm. can go through that because of uh, what God has done for us in Christ on the cross. What would you add to this Second uh, Corinthians reading, if anything, Jacobus? No, I mean, you really, you've really nailed it, but... Uh, um... <laughs> Uh, I think that why are to, you here? Even? Yeah, I mean, I mean, but today is the today. I mean, I think every day for the Christian is an acceptable time uh, for salvation, mm-hmm. and um, and uh, you know, uh, oftentimes I think people want to push back on kind of guys like us who who um, emphasize the idea of atonement. And uh, but what Ash Wednesday and Lent remind us, and especially here in Second uh, Corinthians, and if you take two steps back to verses eighteen and nineteen which really provides the content, context. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconcil- reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. And what Ash Wednesday really is about is this message of reconciliation between uh, God and humanity uh, based upon a propitiation, based upon a sacrifice. And, you know, and, you know, so often people are freaked out by this idea of uh, God who demands sacrifice. But, you know, God demands blood not because he's bloodthirsty. It's important to remember that. But uh, because he's just and, uh, and uh, he is, um, he satisfies this justice in himself. And you and I are the beneficiaries of this. Uh, but, you know, this is uh, one of the things that it, Ash Wednesday and these, these great prayers put us in remind remembrance of and and cause us to reflect upon is that our God is not, hey, you're okay, like this is no big deal. No, he's actually just, and he Mm. takes it upon himself. Uh, And so, um, and uh, the truth is, is with the sign of the cross on your head, we were reminded that we no longer regard each other according to just, you know, regular old ways, but now we regard each other uh, um, uh, according to Christ. And so, and this uh, creates a sense of generosity within us and a sense of graciousness. Um, Ash Wednesday begins 
on the vertical, like, you know, in, in, in recognition of who we are and who God is, but yet what God has done for us, and then that flows out uh, to our neighbor. So, yeah, it, Ash Wednesday is a big come to Jesus day. Uh, it really that is. Being reconciled to God, and, and make sure your folks hear that being reconciled to God does not mean get your life all in order so that God is happy with you. It's admitting that your life is not in order and that God loves you and forgives yeah, you. Yeah, it's not how I am currently approaching the gym. I've been thinking about going to the gym, but I want to get in shape first. And exactly. So, you know, and so, Don't want no, anybody to see me look out yeah. of shape at the gym. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so anyway, but then we come to this great uh, passage from the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, 1 through 6, 16 to 21. And, uh, and this is, uh, this is. I remember one time, I think I've shared this on the same old song before, but when I was a kid uh, growing up, we were leaving the Ash Wednesday service at St. Paul's Episcopal Church in Yuma, Arizona. That's where I grew up. And uh, there were these people, they were, from, they were from this very angry church uh, down the road. I'll never forget them. They're called The Door. But they decided to post up right outside of our parking lot with all of these signs that quoted this particular verse, uh, you Jeez. hypocrites. And uh, yeah, it was a very, uh, it was a real sign of Christian love and generosity. Clearly a lot but, of time in their hands. And all then the evils was, in the was, world were going to And then there was a decision to have like a begin an ecumenical dialogue. And so, but no, yeah. uh, just kidding. Uh, yeah, we were all corrected right then and there. And Saw the air of your ways immediately. <laughs> So anyway, but, uh, you know, what is this passage? What is this passage getting at in light of the imposition of ashes? Well, Jesus knows that we always like to give ourselves a pat on the back, and we always like other people to give us a pat on the back. Please recognize me for the good thing that I did. Put my name on the donor mm -hmm. wall. Uh, I, you know, I have this feeling every time I... Uh, preach on Sunday, I come home, I want everybody in my family to tell me what a good job mm -hmm. I did. This mm -hmm. is just human nature. Um, we we want people to tell us we're doing great. And so, Jesus is speaking in his context. He saw a lot of religious people in his day uh, doing religious things in order to be praised by others. Uh, yeah. I live in Waco, Texas, and it's like you can't drive a car without a religious bumper sticker on the back, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. whether it's the logo of your church or whether it's a scripture verse or something like that. Um, and this is the kind of thing that um, it's, it's this being seen by others. You know, if you have a bumper sticker on your car, why is that? Is it because you forget where you go to church and you need the bumper sticker on the back of the car? Is it forget where you went to college? No, you want other people to know where you went to college and where you go to church and how you vote and all that stuff, what TV shows you watch and that you're a huge fan of Star Wars. So you put all these bumper stickers on the back of your car and it's for other people. So uh, Jesus is aware of that. And he, the one thing, and I often preach on this passage for Ash Wednesday, and I talk about the identity of God as revealed mm. in here, is that God is the one who sees in secret, which is mm. both scary and comforting. So because it's scary, because God knows what's actually going on in your life and in your heart, but it's also really good because it means God knows your pain and your suffering and the ways you are in despair and agony. And of course, um, Jesus, after saying this, doesn't say, your father sees in secret and therefore he will crush you. Yeah. He sees in secret and he goes to the cross for you. Yeah, I think this ties into Ash Wednesday as well because, uh, you know, the testimony of the cross on our head in Ash is a testimony to the world that we are no longer uh, putting any more stock in anything here for our justification. You know, where uh, thieves and moths break in and steal, uh, but rather our hope and our rest 
and our salvation and our justification uh, is uh, where our hearts are now currently also, and that is above, uh, where our treasure is, uh, seated uh, right at the foot of the, uh, where Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. And um, I'm putting in putting all my hope there, not in myself, not in anything else, not in uh, eventually I'll make it to the gym, but I am putting it all there, my heart up there next to the foot of Jesus. Whether you put ashes on your head or not, and that's the thing, this passage reveals the corruption of the human heart, where if you put ashes on your head, you might feel self-righteous and superior because of that. And if you don't put ashes on your head, if you're one of the sort of more austere Protestant sects of Christianity, and you're like, oh, look at those Romish papists with their superstition. Certain now groups of Anglicans, too. Yeah, so. now you feel better and holier than thou. So either way, you've, you, you find yourself, you're human. And that's mm -hmm. the thing. This passage sort of eviscerates everybody and makes us realize, as you've said, Jake, that we're all, we all need to meet at the foot of the cross. Um, and that's, and that Jesus. is the joy of the day. It is It really puts us in touch with our creatureliness. And uh, as creatures, we need to be saved. Even the creature from the Black Lagoon. Mm -hmm. And on that note, we'll, uh, we'll leave you all to preach this message. And I hope you've heard the gospel for yourself as well. You too are reconciled at the foot of the cross. So happy Ash Wednesday, everybody. And stay away from Hobby Lobby glitter section. Um, and we'll see you next week. Peace. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him, but... Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside ready to rock and roll.